Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to the balance, or welcome to the balance. We haven't left yet, but yet we're back. I don't know. That's one of those uh, conversations you can have with yourselves. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. This is the balance. Uh, and for the next 90 minutes, and we're slowly getting ourselves back to two hours, but for the next 90 minutes, we'll be talking about the crazy world of sports. And one of the things that's going on today is we are bringing back college football talk with our uh, college football guru standing by in the balance green room, Rick Riggin. He's back. Uh, yeah, no, we're not talking about Jack Nicholson. Uh, you have to check out our, our Twitter on, on that one. Uh, but we're going to be talking some Notre Dame football and just uh, also just some, uh, you know, some college predictions, some college previews. Uh, uh, so as we get ready to count down to college football season, and so our college football talk is officially back. And then Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, uh, joins us to talk about NASCAR out at the Glen and Watkins Glen uh, this weekend and all the goings on there. And then Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast joins us from Nashville uh, where he's down there uh, with IndyCar. IndyCar is on the streets of Nashville. Keep in mind that they'll be back here in Indianapolis for War Bay's Tide Top of Balance Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis uh, next weekend with NASCAR. First time that's ever happened in IMS history. So I'm really excited to be uh, a part of that. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Stick around. It's about to get good right here on the Balance Radio Network. is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. 
morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called Beauty Sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Huh? Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what, actually, I'm, I'm just gonna order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. We know what that is. That is the Rick Riggin walk-up song. Welcome back to The Balance. Rick, how are you, sir? Hey, pretty good, Tom. Good morning. Hey, it's great to be back. Man, it's always good to have you back. That means that we're getting ready to talk college football, and football's right Best around time the of the year. Best time of the year. <laughs> uh, so just, you know, pipe in. 917-889-8516 is our digits. Make sure you got your black rifle coffee. When you buy a bag, you give a bag. I'd say it's really oh, great yes, cause sir. because because they give it to the veterans, and I know you're a big uh, Black Rifle coffee fan. I'm I'm drinking the uh, Freedom Fuel right now. I think that's what it is. Pretty sure that's what we got. <laughs> uh, ah, I'm not sure if I've had that flavor yet. Now, we were just oh, down yeah. at the uh, actual brick and mortar store in uh, Clarksville, Tennessee. A couple that's weeks what ago. I heard. That's what I was getting ready to say. Yeah, I heard you saw one of those, so that's really good. And, and great merchandise and stuff. I, I've gotten stuff for my son and myself. So, yeah, check it out, blackriflecoffee.com. Well, Rick, let's get things kicked off, as, and let's bring everybody up to speed. You are the foremost authority on Notre Dame football, and we go backwards from there on anything that you may know about anything at all. But, hey, at least you know your, college, your Notre Dame football. Uh, so, you know, let's talk a little bit in, in your mind, and then we'll, we'll kind of break it down by the numbers. Uh, and some of the things okay. that Notre Dame has has to do. But in your mind, uh, walk us into the 2021 Notre Dame season. What has to happen? What needs to change? What are your X's and O's, sir? Well, I, I would say the uh, big number one is uh, replacing Ian Book now that he's drafted in place with the Saints. So, uh, But they've gone out and done that. They've gone out and uh, – 
brought in transfer uh, Jack Cone from Wisconsin. Uh, he was their starting quarterback. He did not play last year. He got a little dinged up during the uh, spring camp last year for Wisconsin. And the whole COVID thing hit, and the Big Ten wasn't sure if they were going to, uh, you remember, Tom, if they were going to play or not last season. And I think with just the injury he had and the uncertainty of COVID, I think Jack Cohn opted out uh, of playing last year, so they went with a different quarterback in Wisconsin. But he was their starting quarterback, and now he plays Notre Dame. So uh, that is what the Irish are going to roll with, Jack Cohn. Uh, we'll just have him for one year. He's a, he's a senior grad transfer. Uh, I think the early take on him, the rumor around the uh, college football rumor mill is that he could be this year's Mac Jones. Obviously, Mac Jones really stepped in at, for Alabama last year after they lost Tua. And uh, so if he's uh, comparable to Mac Jones, uh, Notre Dame is in for a big season. Well, we know Notre Dame is going to be Notre Dame football. And, and certainly one of the things that everybody looks at in Notre Dame is both offensive but also defensive. And Notre Dame defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman have, have talked often about his defense is going to be the be a defensive line-driven team. And that means the interior of the line of the defense line has to produce at a much higher level than it has in recent seasons, if we're being honest. And there's a lot of talent on the roster, and now that that's, the, you, that's really expected to be turned loose, and you really look at uh, Jason Amendola, uh, 6'3", 279, uh, and we look at uh, Jacob Lacey and Riley Mills and Gabriel Rubio, and then you also look at uh, Kurt Her- Hernish. They've got the talent to be a strong defensive team. How does Marcus Freeman make it happen to be that defensive line-driven team that he talked about? Yeah, for all you college football guys out there listening right now, you remember Marcus Freeman, defensive coordinator from Cincinnati. Uh, outside of Desmond Ritter, you know, on the high-flying offense Cincinnati had, they were really aggressive uh, on defense, too, and that's really what propelled them into the season they had last year. Uh, of course, Clark Lee left to take the Vanderbilt head coaching job, Great defensive coordinator from Notre Dame. Uh, he's going to do great at Vanderbilt. Being the SEC, I know it's going to be hard to really like do great at Vanderbilt. But you know what I'm saying? They got a really good coach. How do you fill Clark Lee's shoes? You go out and get the next best guy, Marcus Freeman. So Notre Dame's defense is going to be completely a different look to what Clark Lee had. Uh, we're Notre Dame is I say we, but I'm trying to keep it professional here on the radio. I'm not showing any bias. Tom. We're used to it by now. But man. Notre we're Dame is to going to be uh, completely. Uh, they are going to be a, an aggressive defensive team. Uh, I, I'm excited about that. Uh, also, a name you didn't mention is, is Myron uh, Tagovailoa Amosa, Amoa. Uh, that is Tua's cousin. That's the reason Tua why Tagovailoa. I didn't That's mention his cousin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they're going to be extremely aggressive on defense with Marcus uh, Freeman as their defensive coordinator. Well, one uh, defensive guy we, we got to look at at Nose Guard, and I mentioned him, Kurt Hennish. Obviously, he's, he, it's his fifth year. He's been around forever. At least it seems like he has. Well, I guess he kind of has been. He's been a key part of the rotation going all the way back to his freshman season. Hennish has taken advantage of, of the extra season of eligibility. Granted, all players do the last season's covid ravage season. So, uh, Hennish returns to his final season, and he's coming off of one of the most productive seasons in his career. Uh, what do we look at like for him, and do we actually even look for him to go into the NFL? Yeah, probably so. Uh, one of the one of the great linemen uh, linemen in college football, Kurt Heinish is actually his name, not Hennish. It's pronounced Heinish. Uh, that's okay. Uh, you okay. know, Notre Dame. You thought that you know they lose guys like that are big big. I was thinking Hennessy, Jeremiah, Wilson, Cormora. 
jock from last year. They lose him. What are they going to do on defense now after losing their defensive coordinator, Clark Lee, and all these big names they had you know, on defense? But they bring back uh, Tongo Vailoa, Mosa. They bring back Kirk Heinrich. They bring back Kyle Hamilton. Uh, so they're still pretty loaded defensively. And I'm just, like I said, I'm excited to see like how aggressive they are with Marcus Freeman. I think I was thinking about Hennessy. I don't know why, because I don't even drink it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they speak <thinking> my language. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about some of the, the, the questions and some of the things uh, that have to be answered. Let's talk about that quarterback situation, what has to happen there, and it, it really has to happen sooner than later. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the – uh, is there or is there even going to be any type of conversation about the quarterback position? We know what's happened. We're just going to go in and get the the, the job done. Yeah, I, I think for the first month of the season, I mean, they opened with Florida State, so that's going to answer some question marks. I know Florida State's been down the past few years, uh, but they still get elite talent there. So go head to head in week one to get some elite talent. Even though Florida State is a new head coach and they've been down. Uh, and you can measure yourself against a team like that. But I would say for the, the entire first month of the season, uh, that quarterback position is going to be under a microscope because sitting behind uh, Jack Cohn is Tyler Buckner. And uh, Jack Cohn's really just a, a placeholder for him. So after Cohn's gone this year, or even if Cohn doesn't get it together in the first month, expect to see Tyler Buckner to come in. But if, if the rumors are true about Jack Cohn being the next Mac Jones for this season, I think we're going to be fine. It's going to be a completely different look at looking offensive team because, of course, Ian Book, you know, he was also a good athlete. He could run the ball, too. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that out of Jack Cohn yet. Uh, so that part of the offense is going to have to change, so it's going to be a different look for the Irish in that way. Uh, but if he can sling – he's a bigger, better arm than Ian Book. So if they can sling the ball downfield, that's going to take a lot of pressure off that running game. And he's, a, he's an outsider. I mean, let's let's not forget that he's a Wisconsin uh, grad transfer. Obviously, that's a big game coming up uh, with uh, Notre Dame and Wisconsin. You know, you've got Ian Book and, and you know, uh, uh, Tyler Butner. Fair or not, uh, Cohen's Notre Dame legacy is going to be major about how he bridges the gap between, you know, quite theoretically, those, those, uh, those two quarterbacks, if you will. So, uh, which uh, wide receivers uh, can the offensive coordinator Tommy Reese trust? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the wide receiver position? We'll get on to some of these other teams as we've got to move on through the half hour. Man, things fly fast. Yeah, they do. Uh, you know, uh, that's the other question mark Notre Dame with me this year is uh, who's going to step up at you know at wide receiver. Of course, Kevin Austin, uh, they really have been expecting big things out of him. He just hasn't really, uh, I don't know, grown to the position yet or really been in the role to take over. But they're looking uh, looking at him to uh, to lead this receiving core. Plus, you got Braden Lindsey. Anytime Braden Lindsey's on the field, uh, that's one of the fastest players in college football. Uh, you got Lawrence Keys. Uh, you can swap out either one of them to to go outside or play slot. So they're looking at those three uh, big time. Plus, they got Baby Gronk still sophomore year. Michael Mayer tied in, probably the best tight end in the country. So let's just kind of talk about some bold predictions out there that, we, that we've seen on social media or so. Uh, there's three SEC teams that would be worthy of being considered among the four best teams by the College Football Committee. Uh, Texas A&M lost one game at Alabama. So we look at Alabama, LSU, 
and Georgia, what are your thoughts on, on three big uh, SEC teams being worthy of being considered among the four best teams in the college football playoff committee? we got a, a, a different scenario coming this year. I believe it starts right. this year. Go ahead. Well, I, I don't know about three teams. Uh, obviously, anybody in the top five in the SEC is capable of making the playoffs. Uh, for me this year, obviously, it comes down to Alabama, and I think Georgia is going to be a standout team this year. Uh, so it's going to come down. They might get two. If they get two teams in, then teams like Notre Dame, that's going to hurt them because obviously Clemson and Ohio State both are going to be dominant this year. So if you get two SEC teams in, even if Notre Dame runs the table, uh, they might get left behind. But – it also comes down to those two teams in the SEC championship game, how that game goes. If it's a close loss for either one of those two teams, that still might get them in over a team like Notre Dame. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what's going to be crazy as we get toward the end of the year and championship weekend, if we have three SEC teams that Georgia – well, even – let's say Georgia and or Clemson. But, I, you know, I'm not going to eliminate Texas and a being one of those. But, nonetheless, if we have Definitely three not, yeah. SEC teams – that will be 11 and one going into the championship weekend. It's 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 going to be uh, going to be nuts. Right, that's the type of chaos we love on the show, though, right? Uh, it gets down to the nitty gritty. Last month of the season, everything's chaotic. Who's in? Who's out? Especially when the ESPN does their uh, college uh, playoff show, and then you get to see who's in and who's out. First two on the outside looking in, and why? And it creates all this chaos, and that's. That's what this show's all about, Tom. This segment, anyway. I don't know about the way you run the right. show, but chaos. I run my segment with all the chaos. <laughs> we we should rename it uh, uh, Chaos. Well, let's talk about the Big yeah, Ten. Chaos we, we, we live here in the Big Ten. I'm a Big Ten fan. The Big Ten will be a non-conference disaster uh, against other uh, Power 5 programs. Let's talk about the Big Ten. We know we've got a lot of uh, storylines. You don't have time to break into all of them, uh, but certainly um, – uh, it, we're, we're curious to see how the Big Ten is going to be. First, when we talk about Wisconsin, we talk about uh, Michigan, we talk about, you know, uh, Ohio State, obviously. We're just because for SMGs, we're talking about IU football. Uh, but but nonetheless, it's, it's going to be a crazy non-conference disaster uh, with the Big Ten. Yeah, you know Ohio State's going to be there. So you can already maybe just scratch them off the list for now because you know they're they're going to be there at the end. But I'm curious to see uh, how it's going to come together for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan this year. Uh, he completely revamped his entire coaching staff, got rid of, like, everybody. Did the Brian Kelly treatment that Brian Kelly did in 2016 after that disastrous four-win year. Uh, completely rebuilt the coaching staff, and now they've been in the playoffs two out of the last three years. So how's it going to come together for Michigan? And how's it going to come together for uh, your IU Hoosiers, Tom? Uh, Michael Phoenix Jr. is on the track as – you know, he tore his ACL back in November, but he's on track to be the week one starter, and they're going to need him because in week three uh, they play Cincinnati, and Cincinnati is going to be a dangerous team this year. Well, let's talk about the uh, college football crazy uh, train, if you will. Um, who, I mean, are we going to see any major college football? And we, and we talk about Jim Harbaugh again. Uh, but uh, are we going to be seeing any major shake-ups shake in the college football co- uh, coaching carousel this year? I think you will. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be just yet because you think when a coach needs to get fired, uh, 
like Jim Harbaugh, they end up signing for another three years or five years. Uh, well, I will say at Iowa State is going to be really good out of the Big 12 this year, and every single season there's a, a you know the bigger D1 schools or even the NFL taking a look at Matt Campbell. So if Matt Campbell moves on uh, from Iowa State, if they have a great season this year, that's going to shake things up quite a bit. So it's really hard to tell now. Uh, teams like Notre Dame today, you know, has that really been like a whole lot of news come out of Notre Dame just yet? But they just started their uh, first uh, practice for fall camp like an hour or so ago. So as the week goes on this week and more teams uh, get into fall camp, we'll start seeing a lot more storylines. And then next week's show, Tom, be a lot of information coming out of here, out, out of this show. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, can't wait. I'm already can't wait for next weekend. And Adam Jiminy is going to be joining right. us next weekend as, as well. But let's talk about um, one of the – I don't even know if we want to call him an elephant in the room, but it's certainly a Jayhawk in the room. He'll be one of the hottest schools in college athletes, uh, especially when it comes around college football. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people think that they're not going to win any more than, than two games. Yeah, and what's crazy to me is – as you saw Texas and Oklahoma, at least the SEC, uh, nobody right. knows really for sure when that is going to be. Uh, a lot or a lot of the hot rumors is it could be as early as next year. Uh, they, their TV deal ends with the Big 12 in like two or three years from now, so they have to pay like some kind of fine to leave early. Okay, for both of them schools. Texas is the highest grossing school in college football. So I don't think that's going to be a big deal. They could be in the SEC as early as next year. Uh but speaking of the conference realignment uh, in Kansas, uh, the rumor is they're wanting to leave for the Big Ten, which That's when what you I think heard, about yeah. it in football, it, it's it's kind of crazy. Why would they want to leave the Big 12 for a tougher division of football? Well, I can tell you the reason why, and it's for basketball. And they come to the Big Ten and play in basketball. Uh, that's trouble for teams like IU who are trying to get a foothold back in, in the conference. No, yeah, absolutely. Well, so, you know, I mean, just because we're, we're I'm Army, you're, you're Air Force, and, of course, you know, there's Navy that plays Notre Dame. There's that connection to the service academies. Now, let's talk about uh, the, your Air Force Falcons, uh, you know, what, and, uh, and uh, Troy Calhoun there. Uh, they, I believe they got to a bowl last year. So what are, you, what are your thoughts uh, about your Air Force Falcons? Well, I guess when it comes down to them, it's the Commanders and Chiefs trophy. Uh, you just never know between the three schools. They play each other so tough, especially that RV Navy, Navy game anymore is must-see mm-hmm. TV. That is always a great game. Uh, I mean, they were close last year. Uh, I think they ended up losing to Army, if I remember correctly. You know, but with the COVID season last year, a lot of teams that really weren't deserving for bowl games got into a bowl game because we had a lot less schools playing. You know, the MAC conference didn't play, you know, teams like that. Uh, so I'd say let's – half of college football or, or a little less than half uh, didn't even play last year because of COVID. So basing a team off a, a bowl game they made last year to me is kind of not that big. But then when you're talking like uh, about Air Force, I'm not trying to say anything bad about my Falcons. But uh, for them, <laughs> it comes down to that Kim Anderson Chiefs trophy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, absolutely. Well, you know, this this past week, uh, ESPN, you know, take them for a grain of salt, but they did release their power rankings. We won't go through all of them, but let's kind of touch in on the top ten. North Carolina uh, coming in at number ten in the power rankings. What are your thoughts about the North Carolina uh, 
uh, Tar Heels, and obviously uh, their quarterback, Tim Hale, uh, seven runs for a touchdown as Wake, Wake Forest uh, in, in that big game against them. But we've got to look at them as a, as a very powerful contender this year, North Carolina Tar Heels. Definitely. Uh, just want to question with them is the offensive line production that they lost uh, due to graduation and NFL draft and also their thunder and lightning combo. They had a running back. They have like the, maybe the best linebacking core or, or top five, I would say, in college football last year. Those guys are gone. So how do you fill those shoes, uh, your offensive line and your running and your running game production, right? You know, so uh, I, I do look them to be top half the ACC still. Uh, but I don't see that they have the success they had the last two seasons, but, you know, with uh, their head coach they got. So uh, he's a legendary head coach. And uh, I think they're still going to be good. They're going to be competitive, but not the season uh, that they've had the past two years. Coming in at number nine, uh, maybe we're a little surprised by this. I think that's about where they should be at at this time of the year when we're just talking about preseason power rankings, but Notre Dame's at number nine. Yeah, and it depends what you look at because they got that big game in Cincinnati coming up uh, the first weekend of October. And uh, depending on what rankings, like power rankings, are eighth or ninth, like you just said, ninth, uh, Cincinnati's 13th. But if you look at the preseason top 25, it's Notre Dame 13th and uh, Cincinnati eighth or ninth. So I think that's crazy. Uh, I don't know what they base criteria of power rankings anymore I think you need to play at least about a month of the season to know where everybody really ranks how they stack up Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, with the schedule Notre Dame has this year if they get through this first month uh, they have a great chance of going undefeated uh, without being tripped up later on down the road against you know like Virginia Tech or USC or Navy well, the team you never have any problem spotting on the field is Oregon rolls into number eight in the ESPN power rankings yeah, and I think it's just a product of how down the Pac-12 has been. I mean, they always have Oregon pretty high, and Oregon's uh, football existence right now has just been, been ranked really high during the season and then uh, barely be a top-20 team by the season's end. So it's kind of like Wisconsin's formula. Uh, they're always in love with Wisconsin every year, got them ranked really high, and then by the end of the year they got two or three losses. That's where I see Oregon right now. Let's look at uh, – and, and really, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that they're this high. I thought that they would be uh, up there, at least in the top 20, but I'm kind of shocked that they went to the to the seven, and that's the Iowa State Cyclones, number seven. Yeah, like I said, they are really high on Iowa State this year. Uh, I mean, of course, they got Oklahoma to, to deal with in the Big 12 yet uh, this season. After this season, who knows if Oklahoma will still be in the Big 12, but – Iowa State, you know, the past two years under Matt Campbell has really been sort of just a, a, a touchdown from being the, the elite program status. But he's a really great head coach, and I, I don't doubt that they may even win win the Big 12. So I'm good with Iowa State at that position right now. And then rolling in number six, obviously uh, we talked about this team earlier about, you know, being one of those top three ten- teams, I mean, big one of the top three teams in the SEC, still up in the air. The jury's out on that. And what uh, being, uh, uh, Jimbo Fisher can do with the Aggies, but they roll in at number six in the power rankings. Yeah, I don't know how much of that is just their finish. That one loss against Alabama last year, and then uh, a lot of people felt that they should have been in the playoff over Notre Dame. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I think either them or Notre Dame, the the playoff outcome still would have been the same either way. Uh, 
but we'll see because I think the uh, as tough the SEC is, I think it's even tougher this year because Georgia is a their team to contend with this year, Tom. I mean, Georgia's going to be up there in Alabama territory this year. Well, certainly, uh, you know, one of the most powerful teams in the uh, NCAA. Every year we talk about them. They're in the Big Ten, and we'll be talking about them, I'm sure, next year and next week with Adam Jividen. Uh But Ohio State rolls in at number five in the power rankings. Yeah, losing Justin Fields, if it wasn't for that, they'd probably be uh, the number two team in the country. But they've got to put them up there to Ohio State. They're going to win the Big Ten. Uh, Adam, Adam can uh, definitely come in next week and tell us all about the elite talent they got on the team <laughs> for this year. <laughs> a, lot, a lot better than I can. <laughs> uh, but they are, they're going to be a team to contend with just like every year. Well, let's talk about this other big uh, power team in the SEC that we talked about earlier, and that's Georgia. They roll in at number four. Yeah, uh, just the way I see it now, it's hard to say somebody can be better in Alabama in an area. But I think defensively, Georgia, defensively anyway, is primed to be a, a better defensive team this year than Alabama. And uh, also Alabama's rolling in a new quarterback, so there's some uncertainty there. Uh, of course, uh, Bryce Young has already made – I'm just talking about Alabama now real quick – already made a million dollars off his NIL deal, you know, without even taking the snap at Alabama yet. So there's some question marks to Alabama for me. Uh, I'd have Georgia and Alabama next to each other. Uh, but we're going to find all about, you know, these new players for Alabama and uh, defensively about Georgia. I think defensively they're going to be the uh, class of the SEC. Yeah, and you did talk about the team that's going to be the class of the ACC. We look at Dave Clemson, they're rolling in at the number three spot in the ESPN power. Yeah, another big word for you that, uh, you know, he came in and played against Notre Dame and lost against Notre Dame. Now they lost Trevor Lawrence and Clemson, but that's a uh, young little A. It's her quarterback's name now. So, uh, go, 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 go. Uh, he, he, yeah, he is going to be a thorn in everybody's side. Uh, he's crazy athletic, big arm, maybe a bigger arm than Trevor Lawrence. Don't know a uh, quarterback, quarterback wise as a whole, he'll be a better than Trevor Lawrence, but uh, he's going to have a Clemson right there in the playoff this year. All right, we roll into the number two slot, and that's the uh, Oklahoma Sooners. Obviously a very, very tough team uh, to con- uh, contend with as well, national championship team. Uh, so we, we got to look at the Oklahoma Sooners as being a very powerful team to contend with, and they roll in at number two. Yeah, and Spencer Rattler, quarterback, probably the coolest name in college football. It's going to be a Heisman favorite. Uh, they're probably going to put up 50, 40, 50, 60 points a game. But they also give it that many points on defense. They cannot play defense the way they had the past couple of years and won a finish season a uh, year undefeated. They got beat by Kansas State last year, which you cannot do if you're if you're Oklahoma. So uh, if they are better defensively, uh, Wilford's going to be a playoff team. Well, we don't got time to really break this down, but it's no surprise here. We know what's going to happen. Alabama's number one in the power ranking. Uh, Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, has joined us today. I know you're going out on the boat today, out on the pontoon oh, yeah. with the American flag flying. Loud and proud. No yeah, mask on, on the on the Rick. What's the name of your boat? Let's roll. No mask on the Let's Roll uh, boat. You're, we're going to have to have a balanced party on the on the pontoon down in the Ohio one day this this season. We thought definitely. 
Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Rick, hey, Rick, and we are now officially uh, our college. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk. I got the bush light. Yeah, I got the bush light apples uh, with me today, so uh, you know it's going to be a pretty good day. Man, give me your freaking man card, dude. <laughs> I, I know you got a cool wife and everything, but come on, apple beer. <laughs> come on, dude. All right, right Rick Rick and our Apple? official college football extraordinary. I think you put that on the balance pole. It's Bush right. White Apple, awesome. Put that, yeah, put that on the balance pole, Tom. We'll, we'll get that. We'll have Melissa uh, get get on top of that. Uh, she'll get that poll co- created. But we've uh, kicked off our 2021 uh, college football talk. We it only gets better from here. Uh, Rick, you have yourself uh, yes, sir. a good weekend, sir. All right, thank you. Yep, you too. I'll see you next week. Yep, we'll see you. Rick Reagan, always love having him on. He's been a part of the show for a long time and, and does our uh, college football contributor. Coming up next, though, is uh, Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest fan that's standing by in the Balance Green Room. Going to be breaking down what's going on in the Glen. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwah Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they 
investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and okay. roasted. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Thank you, Rick Riggin, uh, for kicking off our 2021 college football talk. It is back. We are slowly moving our show back to the two hours. How good is that? This is the one place you can come and and uh, have a great time, drink your Black Rifle coffee. I'm drinking the Freedom Fuel today. It's it's great coffee in so many ways, and we talked about a little bit about this in the last segment. Uh, you know, uh, Rick's a veteran. I'm a veteran. They do so much work for the, the first responders and troops. When you buy a bag, you give a bag. Uh, so, you know, check out BlackRifle.com. We got all kinds of cool accessories as well. But joining us now after a two-week hiatus, we're going to use this tagline again. We use it for Rick. He's back, and we're not talking about Jack Nicholson. Now we're going to talk. use the same tagline for Steve Wilson. He's back. We're not talking about Jack Wilson Nicholson again. We're talking about Steve Wilson. How are you, sir? <laughs> Doing all right. How about yourself? Hey, man, never better. Uh, how was your Olympic vacation? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it was pretty good, and got to get away for a little bit and go down to Southern County, Florida. Did, did you get a chance to watch any of the Olympics? No, I haven't watched any of it. You know, I think a lot of people are that way, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that, which is for another topic, for another show. Um, but uh, look up Clay Travis. There you go. There's a, a show you can listen to that talks a lot about the reasons. But honestly, I just feel like there's so much going on, and it just takes away from uh, the uh, – when you don't see fans. I mean, and it just looks to me like they could have figured out a way to make it happen. But – you know, some of the, the sports, I, I like, Melissa likes some of them, but I, for the most part, some of these ones I've, I've never even seen before. So I, I had it on at night sometimes, not really knowing what's live and what's not live. So I think, and, and this is nothing that I know for a fact, but I'm, I'm venturing to guess it's going to be probably one, one of the lowest ratings, at least inside the U.S., uh, for Olympic history. What do you, we should uh, think about having uh, uh, motor racing in the Olympics. What do you thought? You could, you could have... We've got so many different countries involved. You can have a, a type of NASCAR, a type of IndyCar, maybe a combination thereof. What do you, what do you think about that? Well, I think it could be an interesting prospect, but I think if you took a look at uh, something like Race of Champions or something that they've done where they bring in and uh, they convert a stadium into a kind of a car racing a, a facility, and uh, they've done it down in Miami, Florida, at the Marlins Stadium, and a couple of different places like that. And uh, I think they've been out to Saudi Arabia and uh, a 
you do different oh, countries yeah. around the world, and they bring in uh, drivers from all different disciplines around the world, from uh, NASCAR to Indy cars to F1 to uh, you know you, you name it, and and they put them all in these little cars, and they they run them around the track, and I don't know, I think it could be an interesting prospect to to kind of do that, and um, I'm not sure how you could. Uh, um, you know, outside of maybe a one race deal in the Olympics, um, how you would score it, but uh, it, it could be interesting. Yeah, it'd be it'd be fun to watch. You know, uh, that's for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's going on at Watkins Glen, or as the Glen, as they talk about. We're starting off with the Truck Series, so bring us up to speed. No pun intended with the Camping World Truck Series uh, as as they get ready to to roll today at twelve thirty. Let's talk a little bit about them. And obviously, um, uh, uh, Samuel Leggett, did I say that right? I believe has the pole uh, there in, in Washington. Or no, it's Austin Hill. Austin Hill, correct? Uh, for today, uh, I'll just turn it over to you on the truck race. Is it Austin Hill that has the uh, the, the pole today? Uh, yeah. Um, well, you know, that will not <laughs> – uh, you know the the this the final race that these drivers have the opportunity to go into and secure their spot going into the uh, Kings World uh, Truck Series for now or playoffs and uh, seven drivers have already clinched their spot into it. John Nima Track, Ben Rose, Austin Hill, Bob Gillen, Zane Smith, Matt Craft, and Sheldon Creed, and you got three more drivers out there that have the potential that are close enough out there that. Um, they um, would be able to um, clinch themselves in, and really a couple of them just sitting there on the bubble is uh, Stuart Friesen, Chandler Smith, and Derek Cross. Um, and, and you know there there's a few of them that are sitting outside of that, but they really need a win. Um, and, and coming into um, um, Watkins Glen to to secure that spot, so uh, I think we pretty much uh, have the field already set. Outside, maybe uh, if uh, you know somebody, like I said, outside of this area that I had uh, just mentioned, uh, would be able to come away and walk away with a win today. Like maybe Carson Hosover or somebody like that that'd sneak in there and uh, get a win out. But uh, you know, I think we've. Uh, Got a pretty solid field already set up and uh, um, ready to go for the playoffs uh, after this weekend at uh, Watkins Glen. Well, definitely, and, and for sure. I mean, uh, you mentioned we got the field set. We've got a great one. Now. John Navichek, I think everybody's got their eyes on him. Ben Rhodes, uh, Todd Gillahan, Austin Hill, who may or may not have the poll today, <laughs> Sheldon Creed, Zane Smith, Matt Croft, and uh, Karsten Carvier. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, Chandler Smith and Stuart Friesen. Uh, as we w- look at the at the field today, and, and that's your top ten in the in the points races. It looks like we've got everything going. Uh, who stands out a lot? Of the, the two the two drivers that I'm watching in the truck series, of course, is John Namencheck. I think that's just a, a feel good story. He's did a great job at, at getting and solidifying his number one slot. It's it's kind of his championship to lose at this point. But Austin Hill's that other guy that I, that I look at um, having a very solid solid uh, standing in the in uh, the, the standings yeah I think uh, John Hunter Nemechek is pretty much the odd favorite this year as far as um, who's going to win the championship 
he's come in, he's uh, done everything right. He's beat his boss, Kyle Bush, on multiple occasions. Um, you know, just, just he's come over there, and, and I, I think he's been pretty much not only unstoppable, but he's also been consistent um, through the entire year. Um, also, um, he's had very little trouble uh, throughout the year. He's uh, always uh, he, he's parked that thing in victory lane something like four or five times. Uh, and, and you know he's he's you know he's got the full weight of KBM behind him, and um, you know he, he when he left the Cup Series and came over to the Truck Series, he said that the reason why he wanted to do this is because he wanted to get himself and be putting all the equipment where he could win. And I mean that's definitely been for sure with him, where he has um, come over to to the the Truck Series, and he, that's all he's done is win. Um, now, now you take a look at uh, you take a look at uh, Austin Hill. He's only won uh, one time this season, but I mean he's also been fairly consistent himself. Um, you know, throughout the year and what he's been able to do to stay up there with both uh, John Hunter Nemechek and Ben Rhodes. So, you know, you you've got three you got three drivers out there that are going to put on um, one heck of a competition once it gets a little bit further into these playoffs. And uh, I, I I look to see that probably those three will be um, you know what we'll be looking at uh, towards the end of the playoffs once we get to places like. Uh, Martin Dillon Phoenix and places like that and um but yeah, I think it's just gonna be really hard to beat um um, um John Hunter Nemechek at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And as as we know the Xfinity series today is also at the Glen four o'clock and you can watch that over on C N B C which is kinda of, feels like a, a odd place to watch the race. I'm not sure what that uh, programming decision was made about, but, but uh, certainly uh, Watkins Quinn, Xfinity Series. Uh, what, let's talk a little bit about that. We know that uh, Allgaier has the, the poll pretty sure about that. <laughs> and then Austin Cindric, Daniel Hemrick. Uh, what, what are our thoughts as we roll into the 4 o'clock race out at Glenn with uh, the Xfinity Series? Well, you got a lot of good road racers into that. You take a look at AJ Allmendinger, who won there a couple of years ago, um, when it, back when uh, before he uh, walked away from the Cup Series and uh, went, uh, you know, to, to TV and did a couple of things. Uh, so, you know, I think he's really one of the people that you're going to have to sit and watch this weekend um, in that race. Um, you know, they've, they've got fewer people that are already locked up into that championship, so that kind of is a little bit more wide open. Um, you know, as far as, um, you know, they are concerned, I think they only have about three people out of their entire championship. And while they got a couple more weeks, um, you know, this is the opportunity now that um, some of these Cup Series drivers um, like Kyle Busch and et cetera will not be in these uh, races um, going forward, um, you know, as they have been, and especially because we get to the playoffs. Um, it, it, it's an opportunity for some of these drivers that are sitting outside of that bubble, um, you know, that really need uh, um, some good runs. And, uh, you know, you, you've, you've also got some good road racers, like I said, in there. And uh, Austin Cendrick is another guy that he's uh, he's already uh, clinched his spot. He's leading the championship at this point, but he's also a good road racer. And he's um, showed himself to, to be able to, to, to compete with some of these guys. But, yeah, I, I, I think if you're looking this weekend for somebody that you really want to watch, it really is probably going to get 
uh, uh, put on a show is is AJ Allmendinger because he he has a uh, he has been a guy that comes to these uh, road course races and he just really thoroughly enjoys being there. Let's talk a little bit about the playoff picture with the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Obviously, AJ Allmendinger right there as well in the number two slot. Uh, number one, Austin Sendrick. Number four, Justin Allgaier. Daniel Hemrick, Jeff uh, Burden, uh, Harrison Burden. Burden, sorry, uh, Justin Haley, Matt Snyder, Noah Gregson, Brandon Jones, uh, uh, Jeremy Clements, and Michael Annette all, all round out the top uh, projected playoff pictures. What are we looking at here? And, again, I, I like what you say about Almanegger. He's, he's, he's in it to win it, and I think he's going to do well in this uh, Chevy machine that he's got uh, working with. Well, you know, it's uh, you know, the, 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 we've already like uh, like you know we've discussed. We already have a couple of drivers already locked in, but you know, unfortunately for Michael and that, he, he's been out for the last couple of weeks and still finding out whether um, NASCAR is going to give him a waiver or if they're even going to apply for a waiver should. Uh, Michael Bennett, uh stay above that cut line, um, getting closer to the playoffs. And, uh, you know, I, I've been pretty impressed uh, this year that Jeremy Clements has been able to to maintain himself as a position up there. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, Harrison Burton, he's a, he's a guy that's getting ready to, you know, be moved over into the Cup Series. And uh, he's, he's not that far behind some of these other drivers. Um, couple points behind and you know he really is you know he's been able to maintain uh for for you know going forward and uh, i i just think you know overall that uh you know you you well not only not only that but you take a look at uh, noah gregson too i mean noah gregson is a is a is a driver that has struggled a little bit this year he's kind of in the middle part of all of this and um you know he needs to get some good runs out of this also but uh you know kind of catch back up to um, Justin Algar, who's uh, his teammate who's won twice this year already and, um, you know, for the, out of that JRM stable. So, um, you know, there's varying degrees of, of where these drivers are lying at right now, but, you know, some, some of them, some of them with already being locked in and uh, I think you got a couple down there. You know, what, I, what I'm hoping is, is that, you know, you take a look at somebody, Brandon Brown. Brandon Brown is a, is a driver that has a, uh, uh, he's a single car team. He puts this thing together all by all by himself with limited resources, and he's just been uh, running up there. He's been uh, putting putting good good runs together, but he's just a little bit below that cut line. I think uh, you know if he can get some good runs and uh, run another race or two, and somebody like Michael Lynette who falls out of this without a waiver. Um, you know, we may be looking at somebody, you know, like a like a Brandon Brown, and you know that's you know Jeremy Clements did this a couple of years ago on his own. Uh, Ryan Sieg has done this, and I mean, you, you know, these these are drivers that run in limited resources, um, but come to the race every weekend and put on good, um, you know, put on good finishes. So you know, you, you've got a couple, like I said, below that cut line, like Brandon Brown, for example, but um, you know, maybe able to pull out another Jeremy Clements or Ryan Sieg and. Uh, you know, either win a race or put themselves in position where they're, they're above that cut line here in a couple of weeks after they get away from Daytona. 
Talking with Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief and our official NASCAR contributor. Uh, obviously, we're talking about what's going on in the Glen here, and let's kind of break down uh, the playoff uh, projections as we see it now uh, with the NASCAR series. Kyle Larson, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, William Byron, Alex Bowman, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, Brad Koloski, obviously uh, leading the field there at the Glen tomorrow. Kurt Busch, Christopher Bell, Michael McDell, Eric Armadella, Armadella, Amarella, <laughs> there's a classic, uh, Kevin Harvick and Tyler Reddick. What are your thoughts about the playoff picture as we see it right now for the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series standings? Well, you know, right now, um, you know, Kyle Larson is another guy that he has been able to come in and he's been able to prove uh, that he deserves to be in these cars and he deserves that second chance that he's been given by Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, you know, he, he's won on multiple occasions already this year, but, you know, the but one of the biggest thing is, is that, you know, he's not leading the points series championship right now. Um, you know, he, he's won four times and Denny Hamlin has been better and more consistent, but, you know, that that's all going to go away in a couple of weeks. If Denny Hamlin cannot get a win, um, he's leading the, the Cup Series championship is going to evaporate uh, and he's going to be stuck down there, way back down there, like 13th, 14th, uh, when they get to they get to Darlington at the end of this month and start the playoffs. So, um, you know, Hamlin really needs to Hamlin really needs to come away with a win or two between now and uh, um, Daytona, and by the time they get to Darlington, because he's going to be suffering, uh, you know, once uh, once this all flushes through. Um, you know, and there, there's a couple of other drivers out there too that that's gonna also uh, make, take a look at Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick too, he's a he's a driver that uh, is gonna be flushed back down there with uh, with Denny Hamlin way down at the bottom of bridges, barely above the cutoff line, and they only got the three weeks to be able to figure this thing out. So um, you know, Harvick will go from like tenth to fifteenth, and uh, you know there'll be some moving around of these. Uh, of these uh, of these drivers, even though that they may be performing well and staying consistent as they are right now, uh, they're going to be stuck way in the back, and they'll have but a short amount of time to figure it all out. Let's talk about what teams have to do to prepare for the Glen. I mean, it's very well known that this is going to be the 38th time the series uh, race, uh, the road race will race there at Watkins Glen. The inner loop section is added to course backstretch and was added to the course of the backstretch in 1992, lengthening the track from 2.3 miles to 2.45 miles. And let's not forget about that uh, crazy underbridge that they've got to go under, where we always see some action there. Uh, the, and I believe, if I'm, and you could correct me on my knowledge here, but I believe it was the first road course ever constructed. Certainly, it was uh, uh, constructed by a Cornell and University law student, believe it or not, um, uh, through the public roads uh, in 1948. Uh, but the Glen, it's, it's a it's a historic track. It's got a lot of history. And it's certainly just like any track, but this is just one of those road courses where you've really got to pay attention to what you're doing. And, and, you know, it's not a friend of the Goodyear tires there as well. So how does teams prepare for the glid? Yeah, um, you know, this is much different than some of the other road courses that we've been on. The Watkins Glen is a little bit, uh, it's not as wide as some of these. Like you take a look at Coda, you look take a look at Red America and things like that. There's some sections on the, on, uh, 
on Watkins Glen that are just hairpin turns and there's not a lot to move around in. And we've seen accidents occur in some of these and jumble up a whole bunch of people um, trying to get through some of these sections of the track. Um, you know, where there's a lot more maneuverability in a place like Coda or Road America, you just sometimes don't have that there. Uh, and you, you're able to stack up a couple of cars. Now, now, we won't see any great big wrecks or anything like that. But, you know, a couple of those cars, two or three of them trying to race for a position through some of those hairpin turns could potentially um, be marred back in, in some kinds of incident. Um, you know, but it, but it is a fast, it is very fast out there for, for, for a road track and a road course, sorry. And, uh, you know, you, you tire management, again, is going to be an issue. Um, it's, it's starting to – it's hotter out there than we've seen, and, and these tires will go away pretty quickly on these cars out there, leaving uh, leaving a lot of people out there struggling uh, both with setups and both with tire management that they're going to have to deal with throughout the weekend. And, you know, and, and it brings me to what I always say, if I was the betting man, which I kind of am, but I'm not really – you know, Chase Elliott has won each of his last two races at Watkins, including his first career victory in 2018 in, in, in three of the four stages. So I, I got to go with with Chase Elliott because he has a history of winning there at NASCAR. And you also got to look at his, his teammate, Kyle Larson, and, of course, uh, Martin Truex Jr. Those are all people that I expect to do well on Sunday, and I expect Chase Elliott to get another win there Um but you know, Kyle Larson, we can't rule him out. I mean, let's we keep tuning his horn every week, and I'm proud to do it. He's doing great. Uh, but maybe if we're looking for a sleeper there, Ross Chastain would be that. But I think those are the four drivers that kind of got to keep our eyes on uh, tomorrow there at the Glen. Yeah, I, you know that's you know Chase, Chase Elliott has been a driver, which um, he. You know he's he's been very surprising in the fact of uh, him being able to come to these road course races like he has, and, and been able to to really just dominate them and being able to um, you know win these events. I mean he just he just won at Coda just a couple of weeks. I mean what two months ago or something like that. Um, and, and he's been surprisingly a, a driver that's been able to do that. And uh, well, you know you also think of uh, Chase Elliott the first time he ever went to Darlington Race with one of the the toughest tracks that we have on the schedule he won his very first outing excuse me his very first outing during an Xfinity series so you know he's been able to adapt um, very quickly to some of these really tough tracks and been able to see that um, uh, his wins come through and he's really come around as, a, as an all-around uh, driver and uh, you know while while he he hasn't uh, you know he hasn't blown the doors off like uh, like uh, Kyle Larson has this year he's definitely going to be somebody we're going to be watching throughout the, the remainder of, of this year. Well, next weekend, they roll into Indianapolis again. Really excited to be a part of that. Uh, and, of course, NASCAR and IndyCar at IMS at the same time. For the first time in IMS, history should be exciting uh, as far as that goes. We'll see how everything plays together with this uh, new and crazy uh, uh, virus scare thing. We don't know. I haven't seen any major announcements come out of IMS yet. Uh, certainly, I think one of the things they're asking is to show proof of vaccination, uh, but uh, certainly excited to see them roll into there. You got any thoughts on next week out of Indianapolis? Um, I think NASCAR is just continually trying to evolve Indianapolis into a track that will become, um, you know, more palatable for the race fans. Um, 
you know, uh, you know, we we've seen a decrease in interest of, of Indianapolis on the oval course over the last couple of years. We've had tire problems out on the oval course or, over uh, with Goodyear uh, uh, several years back, and I, I think NASCAR is continually trying to evolve the, the the racing that that is put on at Indianapolis so that the the fans become more engaged in, into the events out there. Well, we'll talk more about this in the next segment with Tony Donahue of the Tony D podcast with Sage Care, and we'll make his NASCAR Xfinity Series debut in the Pennzoil 150 at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course uh, next weekend, obviously August 14th. Uh, so he will uh, drive the number 31 Chevy Camaro SS for Jordan Anderson Racing, which, as we very well know, that's uh, 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 Michael Jordan and uh, Bubba Wallace's and uh, Denny Hamlin's uh, group team. What are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, it's always interesting when we get new drivers coming into the sport, and uh, you know, we we've we've seen an influx of drivers coming over for the NASCAR Wheeling Euro Series and places like that 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 have continued to look at some of these road course races. Uh, you know, as particularly Indianapolis because they see this as as their entry into uh, bigger and better things, and uh, you know, maybe they 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 use this as a test session and use this to see whether they can gauge the interest in coming back and and running the the uh, the the GT or something like that that you know uh, or prior to prior to the Indianapolis 500 or you know maybe it's just a, you know a lot of these people just have this lifelong uh, goal of just being able to race on the Indianapolis in general and this this is an opportunity to be able to do that for some of these drivers. I've been talking with uh, Steve Wilson, uh, editor in chief of Speedway Digest, our official uh, NASCAR contributor. We appreciate you joining us, uh, sir. Uh, where can people find your work and masterpieces? You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com/slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. And we definitely follow you. We try to get as much of your stuff up on social media as we can. So, uh, Steve, you have yourself a good weekend, sir. We'll talk with you soon. Thank you. Dude. Take care. Thank you. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, Editor-in-Chief, our official NASCAR contributor, talking to us about what's going on out at the Glen. A lot of exciting news, especially as we move into that uh, playoff picture. Right around the bend, up next, Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast down in Nashville. We're going to be talking about uh, the Nashville's race in the streets uh, there and what's going on there and certainly all the storylines around IndyCar. IndyCar makes its return as well. And then, of course, next week back here in Indianapolis. We'll be back right here on the Indi- on the yeah on the Balance Radio Network. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. 
With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got me. Ow, they're one of my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they... Investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and yeah, roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Welcome back to the balance. 90 minutes. I mean, yeah, 60 minutes in the books. I'm not rushing things along. I promise you. Rick Reagan uh, kicked things off today with bringing back our college football conversation. Certainly doing a lot of preview of college football at Notre Dame. A lot of the crazy things that have happened in the offseason, what we can look forward to in the college football. And obviously we have our college football segment every Saturday with Rick and, and uh, others who, who joins us as well. Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest our official NASCAR contributor talking about what's going on in the Glen, but calling us now from Nashville, the music city. And it sounds like the fun start. I saw your Twitter. Sound like the fun started right away in the hotel room there. I mean, hotel lobby there. We'll go into all the details, but I saw your tweet, Tony, welcome uh, to the balance. Uh, and, and I appreciate it. I got a few minutes with us today as you, as you got some other obligations, but uh, how's it going, sir? Good, man. How you doing? Good, good. I tell you what, I saw your tweet and I was just like, and that, there you go. There's Nashville for you. I think we called it. So we'll, we'll just encourage people to go to your Twitter and and uh, uh, look at that Twitter. Let's let's talk about Nashville. Exciting though, know, it's been a while since then. Uh, we've had a a street race in Nashville a, a, with the IndyCar. Talk with us about how they came about making that decision to to be in Nashville 
again, it's a street course race. It's a little bit different. We, we talked about different courses, oval, uh, road courses, and then street courses. Uh, how does a national street course compare to other street courses that we have on the IndyCar circuit? This reminds me a little bit um, of a mix of Long Beach because it's just narrow. It's so narrow when you come off the bridge. Um, we saw like Connor Daly, a couple guys get into the wall. Um, it's very bumpy, so it's gonna they're gonna have their hands full tomorrow because you know how it is in a street course. You know, in in, in St. Pete, it's fine, and Long Beach, it's fine. But you when you go to a place like Detroit, and then here we we we've got some pretty uh, pretty tough winners, especially Detroit. But here. You know, the drivers didn't know yesterday. I think we'll see speeds go up in this first practice this morning, and then everybody will trim out for qualifying. But um, it's, a, it's a nifty little track. Uh, there's, there's a lot of cool sight lines. Um, the bridge is obviously really cool, something that we've really never seen in IndyCar. And, um, you know, we, we saw the cream of the crop rise yesterday. But when you look at this track, I mean, it's, 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 it's narrow, and I think we're going to see um, some guys going for it early tomorrow, which could lead to, to mistakes, which could lead to – um, guys ruining their days early, and that's what I fully expect tomorrow. And you mentioned the bridge. I think that's going to be very fun to watch. Uh, but, you know, you think about uh, – when you think about them coming around and how that's going to come together, and you think about guys my age remember the Deuce of Hazard. Uh, uh, what, what do we have in place to to keep IndyCar out of – I know it's so stupid, but you think about it when you look at it. What do we have in place to keep the IndyCars out of the Cumberland River? Yeah, I don't think we're going to see any um, – any previews or any uh, remakes of the movie Driven, if you remember that movie, but uh, the bench <laughs> yeah. is high enough. Um, you know, that's a straight. So unless it's unless somebody gets a mega run and runs over the back of somebody, I think we'll be okay in that category. And I'm sure IndyCar has uh, the, the safety stuff in place as well. Certainly don't wish that on anybody, but I, in my mind I was just thinking, you know, this, is, this, this could be problematic, but I'm really excited to see uh, the the, the – IndyCar in, in Nashville, obviously get ready for uh, Indianapolis next week. Let's talk a little bit about the st- the story uh, lines. And one of the, the big ones, I think anyway, uh, Sage Karam will make his NASCAR Xfinity Series uh, in the Pennzoil Motor Speedway at Indianapolis. I know we, I'm backtracking, but brought up to Indianapolis. Uh, what do you think about Sage Karam going over to the Xfinity Series next week in Indianapolis? Well, I think there's going to be – a, a lot of crossover. So you've got Cody Way racing today, um, which is a guy that's ran a lot of cup races. I think he ran the full season last year and most of the season this year. He's got a lot of road course and street course experience from his DM, DMP days. So um, and then in the next week, you got Santino Ferrucci, who will also be running the Xfinity race and then Sage Karam. So um, I think when, when NASCAR and NICAR, um they should have done this probably 10 years ago to save tracks like Chicagoland, to save tracks like Kentucky, having doubleheader weekends where, where you get a good fan base in the Midwest. Um, I think with Indy next week, and, and, and you've got all three series, so you've got IndyCar, you got Xfinity, and then you've got Cup guys, it just brings fans together. It, it, it gives them um, a good bang for their buck. It's a lot of racing. You know, The, the, the thing with Nashville so far is you, you got Trans Am and Super Trucks. So when you have these events and you have these road course events, it's just you got to have nonstop racing and you got to have – as much as you can and be able to go for a two-day weekend in Indy next week and, and get to see Xfinity, get to see Cup, get to see IndyCar. It really opens up the door for a lot of these guys explore options of going from IndyCar to stock cars or going from stock cars to IndyCar. So I think we'll see a lot of other guys um, really uh, trying that crossover, maybe going and trying the Xfinity race if you're a guy like Joseph Newgarden or 
you know, if you're a NASCAR guy, maybe it opens up the, the door next year for a guy like Kurt Busch who has ran IndyCar and in the, in the Indy 500 to, to try something different. Or maybe a Jimmy Johnson who's now trying road courses. Maybe he says, hey, I'm going to do a one-off NASCAR race because, heck, we're here anyway, and Rick Hendrick will put me into a car. So I think it's really cool for the fans to be able to, to, to see both both series uh, all in one weekend, and, and you get to see some familiar faces and not some familiar cars. And I think this is just the beginning of what's to come as far as these two uh, racing uh, organizations coming together for a, a great uh, show at the track. And, and what a better place to kind of debut that than at Indianapolis. Talk about, you talk about Jimmy Johnson. I believe Jimmy Johnson's going to be in the race tomorrow there in Nashville. Uh, certainly, he's, he's, he's very great on the road courses. Um, I, we've seen him do somewhat in the in the street courses. Uh, of course, at NASCAR, to my knowledge, doesn't have a street course, so this is going to be something new for him. Uh, so, what do you, what are your thoughts on Jimmy Johnson to look at? In, and as a fan of Jimmy Johnson, uh, what are we looking for him to do tomorrow there in Nashville? Well, we talked about with Jimmy Johnson. There's a lot of learning curve. There's a lot of you know your reaction time and you know the ability to stay on the gas pedal instead of maybe braking like you would in a heavier stock car. Um, this weekend, though, is where the gap should close a little bit more for Jimmy Johnson on the field because, yes, it's, it's, it's a tough street course, but nobody else has ran here either. So he's kind of on, a, on an even playing field with everybody else. We know that, that equipment's good. We've seen Ganassi win. Uh, you know, Eric, Marcus Erickson, Scott Dixon, Alex Pillow all have wins on the season. All are in the top five in points. Alex Pillow leading the point series by 38 right now. So we know the equipment's there. It's, it's just if Jimmy Johnson can get it under control and, and make a charge. He was, he was towards the back of the speed charts yesterday in practice. But you know, this is where the gap should start to close a little bit more because it's simply nobody else has raced on this track either. So he has that kind of an even playing field. Well, let's talk a little bit. We always like to talk about the hometown favorites. We talk about it in Indianapolis. Now, there's an, obviously don't get any more hometown favorite uh, than Joseph Newgarden. Uh, certainly doing very well in the IndyCar series over there with Penske. Uh, what are your thoughts about Joseph Newgarden? Also, Dario, Dario Franchitis, I think he's the grand marshal, uh, pretty much has lived his entire uh, a life in the United States in and around the Nashville area, obviously in Franklin, Tennessee, uh, when he was married to uh, – one of the Judd girls, but, uh, and that's where they raised their daughters and, and, and that sort of stuff. So certainly Dario Franchitti, not racing, but good to see him as the grand marshal, but uh, Joseph Newgarden, uh, is, what, what, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, there's always a pressure, I think, when you drive in your hometown. I mean, we, we, we've seen it with a lot of IndyCar drivers, Alexander Rossi yeah. winning at Long Beach, which is, you know, near where he's from. Um, you know, Joseph had had great events earlier this week. It, I, mean, I think it's time for Team Penske to go. If you think about what they've done this year, New Garden has a win. Will Power has had probably two wins taken away from him. If you remember Detroit, where they had the red flag, his car stalled in the pits, and he was in the lead. He would have won that race more than likely. He kind of hands the win over to Marcus Erickson. And then where's the gap? Simon Pagino is currently is in contract negotiations to maybe re-sign with Team Penske next year. And then the rookie, Scott McLaughlin, really hasn't impressed outside of his second-place finish at Texas um, back in May. So if you're Team Penske, you, you really got to close the gap to where Chip Ganassi is. I mean, Ganassi has dominated. We've seen uh, one Andretti car be really good, but we've also seen teams like um, Aero McLaren step up and win races. We've, we've seen Renus VK win races. Um, so we've seen some of the other teams that, that aren't on the top level like Penske and Ganassi step up and win races. Yet 
only one win so far for Penske, and that was at Mid-Ohio with Joseph Newgarden. So I expect Will Power to be on a tear over the next six races, and, and I expect Joseph Newgarden to do everything in his power to win here in his hometown in Nashville. Well, it's the Music City uh, GP, and, you know, certainly you've been watching practice uh, in, in some of the takeaways. So let's just talk about this. Colton Herta on fire down there in Nashville. He's certainly a contender. Uh, it, it, is the qualifications today, or have they already qualified? I didn't. If they did, I missed that. But certainly Colton Herta is one to look at for that P1 spot. Yeah, Colton's a guy that, you know, he wanted St. Pete. He's been really good on the street courses. He, he has struggled a little bit on the ovals, uh, getting getting used to the ovals. But Andretti as a whole has kind of been behind the eight ball this year. Alexander Rossi only has one top five finish. He's at 12th in points. And we know how Brian Hunter-Ray and James Hinchcliffe have been right now. They're, they're 21st and 24th in the points series. So when you look at Andretti, it's kind of like, okay, Colton Hurd has been really good. But why is there such a big gap to even Rossi and then down to James Hinchcliffe and Ryan Hunter-Ray, who will probably be out of rides next year? So it'll be really interesting to see um, if, if, if Colton can qualify in the poll today. And it'll be really interesting to see what Alex Polo can do, who's leading the points but has a six has a six-grid penalty after changing uh, an engine earlier in the week after testing in Portland. So even if Alex Polo, the, the points leader, qualifies on the pole today, he's going to finish or he's going to start no better than six. So whoever he qualifies today, they'll move him back six spots. So um, that's the second time that's happened to him this year. And that's the kind of thing that, that can ruin um, your points championship when you're leading. Yeah, he's got two wins, but this is a Nashville track that I think is going to be very important to qualify up front. It's going to be very hard to pass. So losing six spots off off the top really hurts you. So it'll be interesting to see what Alex Pelot does, what his strategy is for qualifying. I mean, you just got to go for that front row, and the worst comes to worst, just start seventh or eighth. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Pelot. Well, obviously we'd be remiss if we're talking about a pre-race and not talking about Scott Dixon. Uh, obviously, uh, Scott Dixon is always right in the mix of things. Street courses is one of his fortes. Scott Dixon, what are, what are your thoughts there in Nashville? Yeah, and, and Scott Dixon is the last guy to win in Nashville when they were on the Oval here about 30 miles away. But it's Scott Dixon, and he's going to do what he has to do. He won the good stop competition that they did here downtown uh, on, I believe that was Thursday night. Then obviously they didn't have one in Indianapolis this year because everything on Car Bay was kind of canceled. So, um, yeah, I mean, Scott Dixon, I, I think you can look at Chip Ganassi as a whole outside of Jimmy Johnson. And Marcus Erickson's got a really good chance to win. He's the last driver to win on a street course at, at Detroit back in June. Um, Alex Polo, two wins this year, then you can never count out Scott Dixon. No, absolutely. And then we also look at uh, Romain Groshin. We, obviously, we saw him do well in Indianapolis, uh, certainly as well doing uh, well in practice this week. I think Romain Grosjean is one of those guys that everybody's kind of adopted. Yeah. We know his story. We, we know his story with, you know, the fiery crash last year in Formula One and losing his ride and mm-hmm. coming over here. He's, he's adapted to the Midwest. Um, he's been taking his camper around and, and checking things out. He's been very fast. We know he has a pole position this year at Indianapolis on the road course back in May. Um, and, and, and he's the guy that did, this is, this is, this is the type of circuit that he's used to racing on very tight corners, very fast. You got to carry a lot of speed into the corners. There's heavy braking zones. So um, would not be shocked if Romain Grosjean ended up qualifying in the top five and then ultimately tomorrow ended up on the podium. I don't think he'll win. I don't think the team is there yet to win a race, but they're certainly uh, getting closer to that top step of the podium. So I can see Grosjean getting his second podium tomorrow. 
talking with Tony Donahue from the Tony D podcast down in Nashville. Uh, let's talk about your guy, Alexander Rossi, obviously doing well in practice this week as well. And I know you've had a chance to talk to him several times over the last few years. Alexander Rossi, what are your thoughts there in Nashville? Um, still kind of shocked. I mean, you think about he had bad luck last year and everybody kind of goes through slumps. We've seen it with Will Power. We've seen it with Simon Pagino. But but with Alexander Rossi, I mean, he was so good for consistently for three or four years. And now it's like he can't even crack the top five. So I'm going to be interested to see if they if they kind of regrouped, kind of, you know, hit that reset button with this Olympic break that IndyCar has had over the last four weeks. And, uh, you know, this is a place that he would love to win at. But, but he's got he's got good races ahead of him, too. He's, he's finished on the podium at the Indianapolis Grand Prix. He's ran well at St. Louis. Uh, he's ran well at Portland. Obviously, they go to Laguna Seca. They do the West Coast trip where he's from in California, so he'll obviously be chomping at the bits now. And at this point, you know, if if you're Alexander Rossi and that crew, it, it's it's win or nothing. You don't you're not in the points. You're not battling for the championship. You're outside the top ten. It's win or nothing for Rossi in the final six races. And, and I think maybe you'll see some different strategies from guys that maybe qualify. Tenth on back tomorrow because it's going to mm-hmm. be very hard to pass. So if you can, if you can pit or or, or or get a quick pit stop before a yellow comes out, you're going to have a chance to maybe move up positions because I think passing is going to be very hard tomorrow. Marcus Erickson, what what are your thoughts on him? Well, Marcus is the guy that you know when he came to Chip Ganassi Racing, he has struggled with arrow, and then last year was kind of an up and down season, and they've really turned the the corner this year. I think he's been probably the most. Uh, improved driver over the last, let's say, 365 days. Um, you know, he was fast and it did 500 last August, which was, you know, a little less than a year ago. Um, but the, but this year at the 500, he ran well. Um, he was kind of gifted that win at Detroit, but a win's a win. You know, you still get the trophy regardless of, of how it happened. Um, Erickson's the guy I think is going to be in contention over the next uh, couple of weeks to win races. He's very good on street circuits, winning in Detroit. He's been very fast at the Indianapolis Grand Prix. We'll see where that team is um, as far as competitiveness. We'll really get a get. We'll really get a clue when they're at St. Louis on that short technical oval where it's a lot of turning. Uh, you got to break into the corner coming off entry. So um, we'll really know about Marcus Erickson if he's a true championship contender because he had a great Indy 500 run. Um, and, and, and he was okay at Texas, wasn't great, but if, but if he can perform at St. Louis, I think that's going to set him up for next year to be a, a, a true championship contender. You know, and we certainly look at Alex below is right in the mix there in the championship standings. And, uh, what are your thoughts? I like the way he looked in practice as well. Uh, but Alex below, I mean, he's the real deal. Yeah. And, and now it's like, okay, you know, this is, this is a, this is, foreign territory for him you think about he's never been in the championship hunt um you know his second year in IndyCar all of a sudden now he's the championship leader finishes second in Indy right behind Elio Castroneves um and he's a guy that I think is going to ultimately win the championship in in as much as you want to win races for Alex Polo at, at this point in the season with the with the lead that he has you know, sometimes you just take a fifth place or, or maybe you have to take a seventh place, but just stay consistent, complete all the laps, do your do do well in qualifying, and I think he'll win the championship. You don't need to win every race for if you're Alex Pelot to win the title, um, but you do have to stay consistent and you have, to do, you have to have top ten runs over the next six races. There are guys like Scott Dixon, guys like um, Joseph Newgarden who are hungry for another championship to be right there, and, and, and Pato Award who's got to win this year, and it's kind of resurged mm-hmm. the Arrow McLaren Sam Schmidt Peterson right. garage. 
um, is going to be chomping at the bits to to take that championship lead as well. So look for Pato Award to be really aggressive to win this championship over the next six races. Well, let's just talk about some of the teams I've mentioned, if you will. Uh, we've mentioned some of their drivers, but let's just talk about the teams overall. And, and more importantly, if you're the crew chief in any one of these uh, teams uh, and you're at Nashville, this is kind of a new for everybody. We're still trying to get used to things and knowing things. What's, what's the game plan? For example, Andretti. Uh, what does Andretti do to get ready for Nashville? Well, I think today, this, this next practice session coming up at noon, it's going to be vital because you want to start up front. So maybe you'll use uh, an extra set of red tires so you can get a quick lap. Um, the margin for error in qualifying is going to be very small because you're going to be pushing. Um, if you've seen the onboard cameras, it's very bumpy, like we said. Um, that can lead to mistakes. That can lead to late braking going into a turn, which leads to you know losing a tenth or two. And a tenth or two could mean you go from starting 12th to starting last. You know, it's, this, this is one of the biggest fields we've seen in the last 10 years, I think it's the biggest field that we've seen since 2013 with uh, 28 cars. You got guys like Elio Castro Neves running. Um, so I think qualifying is very, very important. I think you're going to see a very, very aggressive um, approach to qualifying. Get out, get the tires warm, um, get your get your quick lap in, and, and hope that you make it to the top six because I don't think we're going to see somebody win this race tomorrow that qualifies outside of the top six. So you're down there in Nashville this weekend. Uh you know, I know you're in the hotel and different places. What, what are we seeing? Because what we've seen talked about, especially NASCAR and conversations, especially around media and stuff next week in Indianapolis, we're seeing this next uh, strain of, of virus, if you will, that is starting to set off some alarm bells. You know, honestly, I think it's a different topic for a different show, but I think a lot of this stuff is is politically and, and fear-generated. I, I believe we should take care of ourselves, but we also have a large majority of the population that is now vaccinated. I think we still need to keep making strides forward, not go all the way back to the way things are. I, it's not quite gotten there yet, but what do you see in there in Nashville? Any type of new restrictions that weren't there before, that weren't talked about? Is there, is there any type of restrictions at all in, in place? I know I've listened to Clay Travis multiple times. He's from Nashville, and he says, you know, you know, come to Nashville. It's, it's good, good to go. Your sense of Nashville and how they're handling this? Well, there was certainly no social distancing in any of the bars that I was in last night. But um, you know, we saw NASCAR come out earlier in the week and say if you're going to be in in, in closed closed indoor places inside of the racetrack, whether it's a media suite, whether it's a garage, whether it's the bathrooms, you ha- you have to mask up. So. Um, I don't know which direction we're heading there, but, you know, we went to a concert last night. It seemed like everybody was doing a decent job of keeping socially distanced. But, um, you know, I mean, you, you've had the option to get vaccinated or not. You've, you've probably made up your mind if you're going to do that or not by now. Um, luckily, I am. So I really don't worry about that. I did bring a mask down here just in case, but but so far haven't had to use it. And hopefully I don't have to have to use it because it's muggy and going to be about 89 <laughs> degrees today. So having a mask oh, man. Not be comfortable. Well, have you had a chance to get any of the hot chicken while you're down there in Nashville? Uh, we have not, but then we could certainly put that on the menu for today. <laughs> I did have Taco John. They only had Taco John's down here, and that was good. Oh, cool. There's a lot of cool bars down there in Nashville. I love, I love being there. One of my favorite bars, I haven't been there in years, is a bar called the Green Hour Bar. Are you familiar with that bar? It's down on Pittsburgh. I am not. But, have, have and not then there's Skulls. You ever you ever been to Skulls down there? Nope, have not. 
you know, people like Elvis Presley, Patsy Cline, Johnny Cash, all all perform there. So what what uh, without giving them free publicity, if you want, but what did you go to any of the top bars uh, downtown there, or where'd you go? It is, uh, you know, it's 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 almost worse than uh, it's almost worse than Vegas. It's just it's bachelorette party city. There's buses <laughs> that they've ripped the top off that people are dancing out of, and uh, it is. Luckily, they shut they shut the street down at night, but um, it is certainly a party atmosphere all throughout the night. Well, I know the Flamingo Cocktail Club has been featured on different travel channel shows, and they say that that's like a mega spot for. Uh, uh, bachelorette parties, and apparently it's the spot to go for bachelorette parties. And uh, are you familiar with the band Big and Rich, or something like that? Yes. Okay, he has a bar down there that's like really all the bachelorettes go to. So anyway, uh, this, this is a business I think, I think trip, there's, right? there's a lot of country. And Kid Rock has a bar. I mean, you could just go down the list um, and 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 start checking off guys that have um, bars down here. I mean, it's obviously a great investment because the city is uh, very alive and well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and Clay Travis, I think, owns – I can't remember the name of the bar. Uh, it, it's I think it's called the Tin Roof. I'm not sure, but I know it's down there on Broadway, and which, you know, if you go to Nashville, you gotta, you got to gotta go to Broadway, right? But I'm either showing my age – I haven't gone down there in so many years, but I like Nashville. It's a great city. Uh, overall, I think it's going to be a great race uh, tomorrow. Uh, predictions, this is going to be one of those races where we uh, get a leader, probably keep a leader. I don't know that we're going to see a lot of passing, but it's possible. Uh, but uh, we're going to, are we going to see any or all or any push to passes? And we'll make that the final question. No, you got to go get things going. Uh, but uh what what are we looking at as far as and, – and that's it. Who do you think is going to pull the checker flag tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll, we'll have a really clear picture of maybe four or five guys that have a chance at qualifying today. Obviously, it's a very competitive season with, with so many different winners. Uh, nobody's really dominated. I mean, Alex Blow has two wins and leads the championship, but I will say he's been dominant. Um, and I still think his most impressive run wasn't his two wins this year. It, it was his run at the Indianapolis 500 to finish second. Um, I, I think Elio Castroneves is going to be hungry. Um, he's a guy that you know hasn't raced since the 500, and we know that he's going to be back full time next year. I think guys like Jack Harvey, Ryan Hunter Ray, James Hinchcliffe need to be aggressive. Those are guys that that don't have rides for next year, and it's still on the table and where they're going to be racing. So, um, my prediction as far as uh, it's going to be very tough to beat Joseph Newgarden and Colton Hurd. I think mm-hmm. those are the two best the, the, the two best street races right now. Um, Colton is aggressive and fast, and, and Joseph Newgarden obviously wants to win on his home turf. So it's going to be very tough to knock off Newgarden or Herda. Absolutely. And get through this race and then next weekend back here in Indianapolis, and that's going to be uh, really exciting. Tony Donahue with the Tony D Podcast. What are you guys working on uh, this week on the podcast? Uh, and where can people find your work at Masterpiece, sir? Yep, TonyDND.com, or check out the Tony D Podcast. We'll, uh, we'll have you updated on Twitter throughout the weekend here. All right, buddy. Have a good weekend and have fun down there. Thank you. We'll see you next week at the Speedway. Yes, sir. You will. We'll see you soon, buddy. 
Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast joins us uh, from Nashville. Obviously, the Nashville Motor City GP is going on this weekend. A lot of fun to talk with him about IndyCar again. Really excited about them being here in Indianapolis. Thank you, Rick Riggin, for kicking off our college football segment. That'll be happening every week. Next week, uh, Adam Jevenden joins us as well. He's off. He's also a regular in our college football talk, and I'm sure he'll have a lot to talk about uh, Ohio State and, and Rick will have a lot to talk about Notre Dame, so hopefully we'll have some conversations to, for other teams involved as well. Uh, it's always exciting to have Adam on the show, so looking forward to having him on. Thank you, Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, uh, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR contributor. Tony Donahue just joined us from down in Nashville, uh, talking with us a little bit about what's going on down there as we get ready for the IndyCar race this weekend. My name is Tom Marquis. Don't drink and drive. I guess wear your mask if 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 you have to. I mean, but come on, people. Let's 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 get things back to normal. Let's not go back to where they were. That's an, another another uh, comment for another show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at T Balance, Facebook The Balance, and if you're listening to us on the podcast right now, uh, just go ahead and hit like. Listen to us on any of the podcasts that you. Uh, Find your podcast. You can find us there, you know, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, you, you can find us out there. We're relatively easy to, to find. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. Don't drink and drive. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.